This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That I'm delighted to say that I'm joined on Football CFB this evening by a man who scored goals in the Champions League, scored goals in the Premier League, played at Liverpool, played at Preston, played at Sheffield Wednesday. A few loan spells we'll touch on, notably at West Ham United as well. He's now in the, working in the media. He's also a keynote speaker. That man is, is Neil Meller. Thank you for joining me, Neil. Callum, thanks for uh, inviting me on. The, the first question I, I want to ask you about is, is your youth career because you came through the system at Liverpool and you scored goals galore at youth level. What's it like when you're a young player that's known for scoring goals and people are looking forward to it as you come through? It, it was different back then because there was no social media. There was no club channel. The internet was sort of just about getting going. So... You look at players nowadays, and, and certainly in the youth team, the under-18s, 23s for a lot of teams, they're almost famous before they get famous, before they get into the first team. Now, for me, the fans the fans sort of knew who I was because of the goals that I'd been scoring. I was in the programme. Oh, Mella got a couple of goals again. So so that was my only real profile and coverage to be sort of in the match day programmes and, and the goal tally. And um, I, I loved it. I loved scoring goals. Absolutely loved it. And... Fortunately, I scored uh, quite a few in my youth days at Liverpool. You mentioned the fact you scored a lot of goals at youth level. When was the first time you were told, right, Neil, you're coming up to train with the first team today? And, and be honest, how did it feel? Was there nerves or were you relishing it? I think I had to score 56 goals at the academy before I got the nod to go down to Melwood, which was, uh, it was a great season that I had. I think it was 19 at the time. And the problem I had, and it's not, there now for Liverpool there was tensions between the first team and the academy the relationship wasn't strong which didn't help a lot of the young players so I had a really good season in front of goals scoring goals and that it was almost forced upon the first team that I had to be down there at Melwood and, and training with them uh, regularly I'd been playing in the reserves with a lot of the first team players anyway it was different back then played with the likes of Gary McAllister Jamie Redknapp all these experienced players in the reserves but then once I'd got my goal tally high that's when I got the nod to go down to Melwood and, and train with the first team. And when you go down and train with the first team, it, it, when it's your first training session, do you go all out to try and make an impression or are you hoping to go in, play well, but not do anything out of the ordinary to draw attention and make a big mistake? I'm going there to show them that I deserve to be there because I've earned the right to be down there. I'm not scared of their reputations. I think it helped because my dad used to be a professional football player. And, and his advice was, don't be scared about any reputations. If someone tells you to slow down, just just don't. You do what you need to do. And I always remember the first pre-season run, uh, first day down at Melwood. We had a thousand metre track around the, um, the Melwood training ground and it was four laps of that. Now, I was a centre forward. I didn't like long distance running, but I thought, right, I'm going for this. So first lap, I've gone with the pacemakers, I've gone with Sammy Appiah, I've gone with Jimmy Traore, I've gone with John Arnarisa. And after the first thousand metres, it, it's us. And we must have gone two, three hundred yards ahead of the rest of the pack. The pace is starting to pick up. By the end of the second lap, 
I am breathing out of my arse. I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm struggling. Here. But I look behind and everyone's three, 400 yards behind me. So I'm thinking I've got loads to play with here for two more laps. Uh, and by the end of the third lap, a few people had gone past me, the likes of Gerard, the likes of Didi Aman, Danny Murphy, having a little bit of a go saying, oh, you started a bit too early. And by the last lap, I was looking back thinking, am I going to finish up with anyone? Eventually, about 100 metres to go, Jamie Carragher went past me and he went, you need to get back down to the academy, you're not fit enough. So it was, uh, but it, it was a case of me saying, I'm not scared of your reputations, I'm going to go for it from the start. And albeit, I think only goalkeepers finished behind me. Um, I had to go for that one. And in terms of those big characters, you mentioned Stephen Gerrard, Jamie Carragher, Danny Murphy, Hippie, a few others there as well. What were those guys like in training? Were they as demanding on the training field as they were on a Saturday when you saw them in, on the pitch? Yeah, yeah, I had to be. I mean, these guys were, were international footballers, weren't they, representing Liverpool, knowing what was needed to represent Liverpool, wanting to get better all the time. And that was what I learned, those good habits being down there around the first team, knowing that you had to train like like you wanted to play. And, and you had to get notice in training as well. So it was uh, a great learning experience around those top internationals at Mount. And in terms of your youth team, who else was in your youth team that came through at the same time as you? Uh, my youth team, um, there was John Welsh, who uh, had a couple of games and, and certainly had a decent career for himself. John Ottsemaball, as well, was in the same youth team as me. Year above me, um, Stephen Warnock was in that youth team ahead of me. Um, year below me, Steve McNulty, he was like, he was a centre-half, and I think he was more famous for being quite large. I think he played at Luton and and even at Tramway, but what, he was a decent defender, really. He never played in Liverpool's first team, but I, again, had a fairly decent career for himself. So, so they were some of the names that were Darren Potter, David Ravens, at Whitbread, all these sort of lads who've, who've gone on and had decent careers for themselves. You mentioned that feeling of training with the first team, proving yourself. You obviously, your dad, as you mentioned, was a, was a, a footballer, so he was giving you that advice to, to strive to, to be the best that you could be. How did it feel when you finally heard that you were in the first team squad and you make your debut? Because I imagine for for any person listening to this, to make your debut for a club the size of Liverpool is is every young boy's dream. Let's be honest. Yeah, special moment. Um, I, I'd been sort of in a few matchday squads previously, but when Gerard Julia was the manager at the time, he told me that I was starting. It was a case of this is it. This is something that I've always dreamed of doing. Tell my mum and dad, got them tickets, my brother, my two sisters, my granddad, everyone was there to, to go to Anfield, to be there and witness my debut. It was a horrible December evening, Tuesday night. We were playing against a championship team at the time, which was Ipswich, a League Cup game, but it was my first start and I was I was so excited, I was nervous. And, and I must admit, my first half performance, I was awful. I think the manager had every right to drag me off at half-time. Thankfully, he didn't. He kept me on the pitch. We were losing 1-0 to Ipswich. And in the first five minutes of the second half, the ball's gone into the channel and I thought, I'm getting there. It was Mark Venus, the centre-half. He's assistant manager at Blackburn these days. And I'm thinking, I'm getting there. But the defender, he dived in and knocked it past him and he took me out. It was inside the penalty area, penalty. And before the game, Gerard Houllier had said, you're on penalties. He looked at me in the eye and said, you're in penalties. So I knew, as my face was in the turf down at the cop end, I'm going to go and get the ball. I'm going to take a penalty and score the equalising goal. Debut, couldn't wait. As I picked myself up, mud everywhere on my face, I look at the penalty spot and El Hadzi Juf, remember him? He was um, across Liverpool a lot of money yeah. at the time. 
he was he was struggling to justify his price tag. Um, hadn't been scoring many goals, and he was stood on the penalty spot with the ball underneath his arm. Um, I mean, Jufi didn't speak very good English, so I said, Jufi, give me the ball. I'm on penalties. But the problem was, I'm a young kid debut in front of the cop. We're losing, and I'm arguing to take a penalty off a senior player. Nobody knew. Nobody knew that I was told I was on penalties. All it looks like I'm some someone that thinks they should be taking a penalty over a senior player. So, um, unfortunately, I lost that battle, which <laughs> obviously most young players do to a senior player. Jufi scored, which was fantastic. Uh, we drew the game. I hit the post five minutes later on debut, but I never scored. It was a case of what might have been on my debut. Um, and we went, we went on to win the League Cup that year. I scored my first goal in the semi-final that year. So, uh, played a part, but I never scored a goal on debut, unfortunately. I was going to come to that um, goal in the League Cup semi-final. Looking back, it's, it was an interesting semi-final over the two legs. Um, how did it feel for you to get that goal on such a big occasion? Yeah, it was huge. Um, it, I mean, credit to, to Jared Hooley for giving me the nod. I think Michael Owen and Heskey had maybe had a few knocks around that time, so the opportunity was good timing for me. Um, and I remember, I, I think VAR would have had a field day on my first goal. I think we'd have had a delay. We'd have had all kinds of drawings, the lines and all that. It was a near post, uh, a free kick. Someone fl- I think it was Sammy Ippie who flicked it on at the near post. And I've headed it and I looked offside, but I wasn't. If you looked at it again, I'm not offside. But like I say, VAR would have probably maybe ruined that first goal for me. But it was in front of the away end, uh, Sheffield United away, Liverpool fans were there. It was a real special moment. I still remember the interview afterwards with ITV News, which is the local um, the local news Granada reports up here in Liverpool. And I forgot the gel. <laughs> I forgot the gel. So my barnet that was needed a haircut, it was just horrendous. So uh, if you see that interview, I look a bit of a mess afterwards. <laughs> and in terms of the scoring on an occasion like that, when the club gets to the final, are you dreaming about being in the final squad and getting onto the pitch? I'm in the squad. I'm in the squad for the final, yeah. And uh, back then, there was only 16 players that got changed. I was one of 17 that travelled the day before. So we've gone down to Cardiff. Uh, to, to Cardiff, yeah, it was at Cardiff, wasn't it, uh, the day before. And and then Hooli, he pulled me and he said, uh, listen, you've done really well, but you're going to be the one who doesn't get changed. Unless someone gets ill, I'm thinking it's a cup final. Man United, no one's going to get ill. Nobody is ever going to get ill. And if they do, they ain't going to tell you. So it was a case of disappointment because I knew I wasn't going to get changed but also it was great to be in in that dressing room in the squad and uh, amongst it knowing that I played my part along the way I've still got the medal I got a medal at the end of it of course because I played my part along the way um, and we beat Man United it was a great final Gerard and Michael Owen scoring the goals and we celebrated we celebrated hard in Cardiff that night <laughs> and in terms of that playing your part along the way the club wins the final is that the ultimate feeling of pride in football where you know you've played your part for a, for a major honour along the way? I think now it is because I've obviously matured and I'm a lot older. But back then you're just thinking, I wish I was out there. I, I wish I would have scored a goal. I, I wish I'd have been out on the pitch. And it's that natural feeling for any, I think, professional football player. Unless you're out on the pitch, you don't feel like you have played your part in the final. But like I say, the more you mature, you think, well, well, I played my part along the way to get there. Unfortunately, I didn't play in the final, but still did enough to justify the um, the winner's medal, which I've got. You justify that. You've got the winner's medal. 
How did you feel when it was proposed to you that you were going out on loan to West Ham United? How do, how do you cope as a player when you go out on loan? Because I imagine when you come through the system at a club, it must be strange going somewhere completely different. I mean, you think of London as well. Yeah, it was... I wasn't happy because I'd scored two goals for Liverpool in the pre-season friendly against Aberdeen. And I thought, right, I'm, I'm part of the plans here. I'm not, I maybe not start ahead of Michael Owen. Yes, I get that. But I'm in this squad. I'm going to be involved this season. And uh, he said to me after the game, he was like, where do you want to go on loan? Do you want to go to West Ham or Sunderland? And I've got just scored two goals. I thought, I thought I was going to stay. Um, but it wasn't. So I had to make my mind up. And my dad, being the ex-footballer he is, said I had to ring the Sunderland manager and tell him that I didn't want to sign for him. The Sunderland manager was Mick McCarthy. I'd written it down on, on an A4 piece of paper. Mick, really appreciate the interest you've shown. I've decided to go to West Ham. Um, it, the reason I went to West Ham was, I mean, Sunderland and West Ham, two big clubs, but the manager was Glenn Roder. And he said, I'm going to develop you as a player. And, and that was the difference for me, rather than going there to Sunderland. And, and I don't know, it's just a different sort of feel. So that, that was why I chose West Ham. But I had to ring Mick McCarthy and it was very, very daunting prospect to, to ring somebody like Big Mick and say that I didn't want to sign for him. But he was great. He was great. And, and that was why I chose um, West Ham. Went down to London at 20, moved down there on my own, away from my mum and dad, which was difficult, um, into a dressing room, which was which was really some top players. David Jane played for England. Um, you've got Don Hutchinson in there. You've got Christian Daly. You've got Ian Pearce. You've got Thomas Repka, Czech Republic International. Um, you know, the list of players. I mean, Carrick was down there. What a player Mickey Carrick turned out to be. Defoe, me and Defoe up top. Everington. We've got some top-class players and the expectation was you've got to get promoted. So, so that was a big learning experience for me. Two goals against Crystal Palace been one of the highlights of that loan spell. How did you feel when you get a brace in a game like that? Well, at last, at last I've scored. It, it took too long. Um, it, it was difficult. You know, I've gone down there thinking I'm going to score loads of goals. And it was difficult to settle in. I was out of my comfort zone. All of a sudden, I'm living on my own in London, where there's so much to do, and uh, and I had to prove myself as a player, and 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 I struggled to do that in terms of scoring goals. And Brooklyn was brilliant. Trevor Brooklyn, working under Trevor Brooklyn was absolutely fantastic. Played pretty much every game for him. I, th I scored the two goals when Trevor was in charge, and it was a, it was a, a great personal moment, but relief that I finally scored because I think the West Ham fans were getting a bit frustrated, thinking. Who's this kid from Liverpool? We brought him in and he's not scoring goals. So it was, it was good to score a couple of goals. You mentioned the fact there's a, obviously it's a Trevor Brookin. There's a few changes of, of management when you're there. Is that disruptive for a loan spell? Because sometimes it can lead to you playing out of position as well, which is, I imagine, deeply frustrating. Yeah, I, I think any manager, whatever um, club they're involved in, they want their own players. And that was the case for me. I've gone down there. It was um, Glenn Roder that took me down there, said he was going to develop me. Trevor came in and was brilliant. So Trevor played me in every game. I said, listen, I'm only here for a few games. Just enjoy it while I'm here. And then Alan Pardew came in. And Pardew was, was honest with me from, from the get-go. He said, I've got to try and rebuild a squad that's going to get promoted. And you're not part... I'm inheriting you. I want my own players. So he was honest. Uh, and that was... Um, something that I had to face, albeit I'd signed a one-year contract alone. Um, I knew that my opportunities were going to be limited. And, and he understood that. I didn't resent the fact that Pards um, said that to me. I think a lot of managers want their own players and I just had to accept that. You, you mentioned the fact you accept that. Back at Liverpool, you return, 
you're playing for the reserves again, you're on fire. I think it's 10 goals in four reserve games. And then injury strikes, is that the worst time to get the injury when you feel that you're sharp and proving a point? Yeah, I was flying. I, I came back and um, I, I'd learned a lot from my loan spell at West Ham. Whilst I didn't perhaps have a successful spell in terms of on the pitch, I matured a great deal. I learned a lot about the game and um, I came back raring to go and, and then picked up the injury. It was unfortunate timing, but I think with any injury, you never know when it's going to arrive. And I had to deal with that. It was... It was a big blow because we had a new manager at that pre-season, which was Rafa Benitez. And the first week he sat down and said I was part of his plans. And, and that was the biggest frustration because I was I was part of Liverpool's 24-man squad. And to pick up an injury was, um, was a big blow. In terms of Rafa, what was he like with you um, from a personal point of view compared to Gerard Tully when he was there? I, I think the biggest difference for me would be I felt wanted by Rafa and um, Ger- Gerard Hooley, I have to be grateful to him. He gave me opportunities in the first team. He gave me that debut. But but I always felt, uh, and, it, and even when I went out alone, I felt as though the timing perhaps wasn't right for me in terms of my development, but um, you have to respect the manager's decision. Whereas Rafa, it was a case of, you're in my 24-man squad, and I felt part of things then. So, so that was the big difference for me, fe- really feeling part of it under Rafa. Before we talk about, obviously, the, the famous goals, Arsenal and Olympiacos, what was it like to be involved in Champions League games? Because you played against Monaco as well before that. What was it like being involved in those occasions? Did that prove to you his trust in you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it was the ultimate. I mean, we all know how big the Champions League is as a competition. It's uh, obviously the music and, and everything like that. We've watched the great games. And, you know, I'm at Liverpool. Uh, I'm developing as a player. I'm in the youth team and I'm seeing all these famous European nights of the past at Anfield and I'm thinking I, I want to be part of one of those nights and, and to experience one of those it's it's something I'll never forget it's something that I'm grateful to, to have experienced and it's it's what the football club's about it's about those memorable nights that that the fans play such an important part of and, and even now what is it 15 20 years on fans can still remember certain moments it's, for me it was it was magnificent to play one of those uh, to be involved in one of those special nights and in terms of uh, the goal against Arsenal we need to talk about that one first in terms of people always say Gary Lineker's very honest he always says a tap in you'll take a tap in as a striker but for you to, to score a goal like that against Arsenal I mean that's surely what dreams are made of because not only is it an absolute belter but it's the winner as well yeah, I think a few people likened it to sort of a, a Roy of the Rovers moment. Um, I think the younger generation may not even know what Roy of the Rovers is, but I think I think we do. It's like a magazine where uh, you dream and, and you score that moment. And that's what it felt like for me, because Arsenal were the best team around, weren't they, at that time? It was the invincible Arsenals, the great players they had. And um, it, was, it was something, as soon as I struck it, I knew it was, it was in. And I just wanted to share the moment with the fans, the cops, Anfield. Mum and Dad were there as well. It was... Um, a real special moment and I remember going home after the game it was a Sunday night I got the man of the match probably because of the goal more than anything else and I've gone home the lads have said come on let's go out for a few drinks and I've gone home and I've watched match of the day two with Gordon Strachan telling me how good my goal was having uh, a cup of tea rather than uh, than a stiffer drink than that that's tremendous and in terms of that it's, it's, it's a random question probably a daft question but What's it like when you watch yourself on Match of the Day? See, when you're a young player and you score, I mean, what's that like? Because, again, as a, as a fan, 
I can only imagine if I was in that position, I'd, I'd be definitely recorded it and make sure I watch it two or three <laughs> times if it's a good game. Yeah, I think, again, the problem was back then we didn't have the mobile phones we do now and the ability to to record it and, and save it all. It was a case of not even Sky Plus in it back then. We couldn't even do that. It was um, it, it was just nice to watch that, that with my mum and dad on the sofa and, and share that moment knowing that they'd been there all the way through me growing up on those cold Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings, watching me um, school football and then obviously reserves and youth team and then to play in the first. It was nice to share that with them. I want to talk about the famous Olympiacos game and you scored in that game. We know the commentary, Andy Gray, but people forget this. You get the assist for Gerard for that goal. I mean, just to sum up that game. <laughs> uh, I was on the bench and um, we were 1-0 down against Olympiacos. If you think of Olympiacos now, you're thinking they're not getting out of any Champions League group. But back then... They were top of the group going into match day six, coming to Anfield. They've got Rivaldo, who was still a top player. He'd just been world player of the year a few years ago from Barcelona. He'd scored a free kick at the cop end. We're 1-0 down. We're in the changing rooms and we're thinking we need to score three goals because they beat, they beat us 1-0 in the previous game. So we knew we had to beat them by uh, by two clear goals. And, and I remember looking at the manager, Rafa, and saying, get me on. Get me on the pitch, and he he blanked me. He looked at Cinema Pong goal and brought him on. And I'm fuming at half time, thinking, why have you not brought me on? Minute into the second half, his sub scores. Cinema Pong goes, what a brilliant manager! He's made the right choice there. We're back in the game. We can maybe go on and and get this result. And then the game was sort of petering out. He brought me on. I get myself a goal, which was uh, sort of a, a poacher's goal inside the six-yard box. And then, like you say, um, Stevie scores that unbelievable goal. Carrig is on the left wing. What's Carrig doing there on the left wing? I'll never know. He dinks it into me. And I, and I always, I remember it. I mean, I've got a few options as a centre-forward. Do, do I control it? Do I try and turn? Maybe flick it on for somebody else or lay it off? And there was only two options to lay it off to. There was John Arnarisa, I think we all remember him, the Norwegian left full-back. But if I laid it off to him, that's on his right foot. And one in about 700 from Lisa will hit the target on his right foot. Or the other option was Steven Gerrard. And uh, as we know, Stevie can score incredible goal. And that's what it was. He scored an unbelievable goal. And we all remember that. One of his one of his famous strikes. It was nice to play a part in that. The commentary helped now, Callum. The commentary definitely helped. So thank you to uh, Martin Tyler for that one. And in terms of... Steven Gerrard, you, you mentioned that great goal. That season, the club goes the full way in the Champions League, the miracle of Istanbul. Just sum up what Gerrard was like to play with, because he's someone now who obviously is in management and he's, he's someone who could go a long way in management. He, he, he's a guy who really epitomised Liverpool of that year. What was he like to play with? Yeah, um, well, as you mentioned at the start, I do, I do a little bit of keynote speaking and I mentioned Steven Gerrard in that. For me... He was the biggest inspiration and the reason was he he inspired every player at the football club. He'd, he'd come through as a as a Liverpool youth player and had a lot of extra pressure, more so than, than any other player, um, but always delivered. Every, every top game, every big game, Stevie delivered. Um, every, I think he scored in every major cup final. And as a player, when you see him around the dressing room, you think, he can be the difference for us. And you're thinking... He gives you that extra 5-10%, that extra bit out on the match day. Um, but, but seeing him train every day as well, you can see why he was so good um, in those match days because he had the same mentality, the same desire 
And I'm seeing that as a manager now, I'm watching him. I have no affiliation to Rangers or Celtic. I am not getting involved with that one whatsoever, Rangers and Celtic. But um, but you can see the management style. He wants to win. He's a winner. And uh, he demands those sort of standards, which is what he had as a player. In terms of Istanbul and the Champions League win, you you were you, you had an injury which sort of robs you of a chance at the final. But am I right in saying that obviously it's an incredible occasion? But you've got Paolo Maldini's medal from that final. <laughs> uh, well, the, the truth is, we, I was on the podium when you see Stephen Gerrard lift the, the trophy. I'm on there in the back corner, hidden away. But I'm on there jumping up and down with my um, two dodgy knees. And yeah, as we left the podium. Um, Pellegrini, the old uh, Southampton manager a few years ago, he was a centre half. He was cup tied. I think he played for Malaga in the Champions League that year. And we walked to the podium where the medals had been, and there was two or three AC Milan medals that had been left behind. Obviously, they'd not wanted to, maybe maybe to take them. And uh, he said to me, "Do you want one of those?" I said, "Absolutely, no problem at all." That's it's, so that's Maldini. So I've got, got it in my pocket, and I've still got it to this day. So uh, I'm waiting for a text message or a phone call from Paolo Maldini to get his his runners-up medal back. He won it two years after he, he beat Liverpool two years after them in the Champions League final. So maybe he doesn't want it back. You you mentioned um, the League Cup success and the celebrations that night. I imagine Istanbul was a different level altogether. Yeah, yeah, we have to remember the game didn't finish till close to one o'clock in the morning. It, it because it, the kickoff was uh, Turkish time as opposed to English time. The kickoff was to suit the English audience, and so um, the, the game was late. We didn't get back to the hotel till two half two. The party, like all parties at Liverpool, we had the trophy, Champions League trophy, in the middle of the dance floor. Everyone gets the pictures early on, and then the drinks start flowing. And uh, as you can imagine, it was a very very. Memorable evening for the first couple of hours, but then uh, difficult to remember too much after that. <laughs> for yourself and your Liverpool career, you, you have another loan spell, this time with Wigan. What was it that made you want to go to Wigan on loan? And was it you that wanted to go on loan this time, as opposed to the manager? Yeah, I, I needed game time. I'd been out for a period of time. I think it was about eight or nine months with the injury that I'd sustained. And it was a case of going out to, to get the game time. And uh, Wigan, or Jewel, great guy great coach really enjoyed the short time I was there um he knew the position I was in I was still struggling but I went there got a goal on my debut which was which was great for Wigan in the, in the, in the Premier League again it was a good dressing room um played in the League Cup semi-final for Wigan which would be Arsenal which was a great night to be involved with as well um but it was too much for me to come back I think I played five games in two weeks and my knees just couldn't handle it and I ended up breaking down unfortunately having to come back to Liverpool you mentioned those injuries and, and you have a difficult time with injuries in your career, even when, when you leave Liverpool permanently. Just how do you handle injuries both mentally and physically? Because I imagine as a footballer, when up when your, your head knows what it wants to do, your body as well, except maybe one area knows what it wants to do, but physically there's just that niggle. How do you deal with that? Difficult. It's difficult because... Um... You know, ultimately, you've you've dreamed of being in this situation to be a football player, and there's something stopping you. Show what you're capable of doing, but that's what it was. You know, it's um, I'm not going to use it as an excuse, but that's how my body was at the time. So I couldn't fulfil my ability in terms of because of the injuries I had, and, and that was the biggest frustration for me. I wanted to do more, but my body physically um, didn't allow me to do that. So it was a case of making the most of what I could do, stayed in the game for as long as I could. And um, 
just enjoyed those moments that I had even now. I um, obviously had to manage the injuries, tablets, injections regularly. Well, even the, the game against Arsenal, when I arrive at Anfield that night, the first thing I do is put the tickets at the, at the front door for uh, my mum and dad to get there. Then I go in to see the doctor. He gives me a painkilling injection. I was in bits before the game without that injection. So I've taken the injection, got through the game. Um, so I'm still sort of managing the mini injury at, at that point as well. Leaving Liverpool permanently um, for Preston, what was it like playing in the Championship as opposed to the Premier League? I know obviously you're alone at West Ham, but when you go there permanently, what's it like? Is, is there a clear difference? Stephen Gerrard's not in your team, for starters, <laughs> which um, <laughs> is a big one. You know what? I loved my time at Preston. It's a great football club. Um, I felt as though it was ideal for me at that time, location-wise. I thought it was a family club knocking on the door of the Premier League as well, which I thought we could get over the line for. It's a big difference. Of course, it is. You know, I'm playing in front of 45,000 fans at Anfield, whereas Preston, we're getting 14,000, 15,000 fans. Uh, the expectation isn't there like it was at Liverpool. There's a demand to win every game. Uh, rather than at Preston, that it's the hope, the belief you can get into the top six. And, and again, the quality of play, the lower down the leagues you go, it obviously changes. You're not playing with the top internationals anymore. And it's that adjustment to that as well. But um, Preston was a great club, still close to my heart. I, what did I have, six or seven years there? So we're uh, grateful that they gave me that opportunity. I did have other opportunities to have moved on, even a couple in the Premier League. But Preston was, was the one that certainly ticked the box for me. In terms of your career, I'm interested to know, did you ever have a chance to move to Scottish football at all? I did, yeah. I I had a medical, which with my body, I was never, ever going to pass a medical. That was up at Hearts. Um, that was a time when, was it, was it what were they called? Were the um, Lithuanian or Latvian, was it the owners? Yeah, not Lithuanian, sure yeah, yeah. Lithuanian boys were there. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it was a case of trying to come up. I was like well, okay, give it a go. And um, I think that was just before I went to Preston and, and I failed the medical, which I was never going to pass a medical after the age of 20, to be honest. Um, but but there you go. So it failed on, on medical reasons. So who, who knows what might have been. But Edinburgh is obviously a beautiful city. And in terms of Preston, you're scoring goals in the championship. A manager that from the outside looking in seemed to get the best out of you at times was, was Alan Irvin. What was your relationship like with him? Because you played for him a couple of times. Close, brilliant. What a coach. What a coach Alan Irvine was, is brilliant. Um, well, it, we, we had we got on from day one um, because he was at Everton. I was Liverpool, so we had that friendly bit of banter straight away. He'd had some great success there with David Moyes at Everton. But the difference with Irvine as a coach, compared to, I think, the majority of coaches that I've certainly ever experienced, he created an atmosphere where every day... I felt as though I improved, I learned as a player, but I enjoyed it. And it's so difficult to create that environment when you when you think about these 20 players you've got to keep happy. Whether I'm in the team or not in the team, I'm going to enjoy it because the training sessions you put on are really enjoyable. And I know I'm going to get the most out of myself. They're intense, it's, it's high intensity, but I'm going to give it absolutely everything. And now I'm going to get the benefits of it. So I loved working on, under Alan Irvine. We had success, we got into the playoffs. And, and another reason I, went, I joined him at Sheffield Wednesday, um, he was a brilliant coach and a great man manager. So um, I, I think he's been harshly treated everywhere he's been as a manager, personally. Didn't think he should have been sacked at Preston. Sheffield Wednesday, the same. We were in and around the playoffs. West Brom in the Premier League. They weren't even in the bottom three when they sacked him at any point. Um, Norwich, I know he's had a brief spell there as well. 
Brilliant, brilliant. And even recently, he's done well at West Ham in the two games, albeit David Moyes was um, isolated at the time. And in terms of um, Preston, who were the players there that were the big players that you really enjoyed playing with? Um, because, again, you mentioned, obviously, the internationals at Liverpool, but you had some decent players alongside you at Preston as well. Great lads, great lads. Uh, strong dressing room, really strong dressing room. Um, I think of some of the players that have maybe gone on and, and had a big career in the game that have been at Preston. And Andy Carroll came out on loan and, and I got on really well with uh, the big tree man. Um, Danny Welbeck, Danny Welbeck, sorry, as well from Manchester United, played up front with him a few times, who've gone on and played international football. But the dressing room was strong with characters like Chris Sedgwick's. People who the players love but the fans don't see how vital they are to that team in that dressing room. Um, John Parkin, another one. He was brilliant. He, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's gold dust in that dressing room for you. Chris Brown, Neil Collins, he's now coaching over in America. Richard Chaplow, who I'm still really good mates with. These are real big characters. Graham Alexander, uh, Yuma Wenny, some great Sean St. Ledger, great Andy Lonigan. It was a strong dressing room. And that was why we got ourselves into the playoffs, because the dressing room was so strong. And in terms of um, Sheffield Wednesday as well, you mentioned the fact that Alan Irvin's a big part of you going there. We talked about the difference between the Premier League and the, the Championship. Is there a difference, again, when you're, you're playing in, in League One, especially for a club like Sheffield Wednesday, where I suppose you're everyone's big scalp, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, two reasons why I went to Sheffield Wednesday, really, because my dad played at Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, and in terms of the family, it means a lot to us as a, a football club. Uh, and also Alan Irvine. I knew I'd enjoy my time there. <sighs> a reason, again, you're thinking we're going to challenge to get promoted. So you're thinking we're going to be in a good side. I'm going to be scoring goals. But the expectation was there. There's no doubt about it. Every game, the fans are expecting you to... To, to be winning the game because we're one of the top sides, seen as one of the top sides in the division. And uh, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. But, but I really enjoyed my time there. Wednesday fans were, were, were great with me. Um, I was fit and selection for every one, but every game but one, I think it was. Um, so it was, uh, it was a good time. I got 20 goals as well, which was the first time I'd done that in my career. And, uh, and I got player of the year, which was a personal accolade, which I'm really proud of. And with that season you've just described, would you describe that as your best full season after leaving Liverpool? I would say that I was at a stage in my career where I was really maximising myself. I felt as though I was on the bench for one game. I was on the bench at Yeovil away for Sheffield Wednesday. I'm looking around thinking, what, what's going on? What was it, 20, 27, 20, whatever it was, 27, 28, I'm thinking, what's going on? I've been at Anfield with some unbelievable Champions League guys. I'm on the bench. No offence to Yeovil, but it was like a non-league ground. I was like, this is not what I want from my career. So um came off the bench at 0-0, won a penalty, I might have scored as well, I can't remember. But I saw a psychologist soon after that for the first time in my career. And I was like, What's I need to maximise what I've got left in my career. And from that moment onwards, I had my first hat-trick I'd ever had in my career. And I went better than one in two uh, goals a game for the rest of my career after that and in terms of that confidence as a striker you mentioned the hat-trick you mentioned the goals ratio what's it like when you're in a sort of purple patch and you're scoring regularly week in week out do you go into each game knowing in a sense that when I get a chance it's, it's going the back of the net yeah yeah well confidence is such a huge part of, of the game um, obviously all players are talented but it's that mental difference in a lot of games do you doubt yourself do you have that belief that confidence that can be the difference that 
to be proactive rather than reactive, certainly in the final third for me as a centre forward. And uh, it made a big difference to my game. My mental state, that confidence made me think I'm going to be scoring goals. Whereas before I was thinking I didn't quite have that same mentality. And in terms of, you mentioned your knees, see when it comes to, towards retirement, how frustrating was that for you? But at the same time, I suppose, given the condition of your knees, as you've talked about, did you look, do you look back in your career thinking, I got the most out of what I possibly could, given the circumstances? Callum, I'd, I'd love to be sat here now on Zoom saying to you, I've played four, 500 games for Liverpool, I've won this, I've scored that. But I can't, you can't change what's happened. Um, I appreciate that. I've had a couple of moments, we talked about it, the Arsenal moment, Olympiacos at Liverpool, uh, several at Preston, scoring against rivals like Blackpool and Burnley, great moments to share with the fans, Sheffield Wednesday as well. Um, so it's great to have moments I can look back and go, it was nice to experience them, but we'd always love to have a bit more, wouldn't we? Love, love to have had a promotion at Preston, love to have you know, done a little bit more, but it, it wasn't to be, and so I've just got to be grateful for, for what I did get to experience, because there's millions of kids wanting to be professional footballers all around the world, boys and girls, that don't get to live that dream, and I'm one of the fortunate few that did. You mentioned scoring key goals against rivals there. What's it like after the game when you've scored those goals, when you bump into fans? Is that one of the, the best moments as a footballer? Because fans love bragging rights. Oh, brilliant. The best the, the best games to be scoring in uh, without a doubt. Because they don't, they don't forget the fans. You know, they don't forget um, even... You know, it doesn't even matter where you are in the league when it comes to those derby games. It's about how you perform on the day, and, and every team has it. And that's the beauty of football, isn't it? We all, every team has the rivals. It doesn't matter where you are, top of the league, bottom of the league, Premier League, League Two, Scottish football. Everyone has the rivals, and it's great to put one over them. And for me, having scored in a few of those games, the fans, even now I'm retired, said, "Oh, that was a great moment," and, and tell me how that they enjoyed the, the sharing that moment when I scored. Life after football for you has been has been successful in the sense that you're doing punditry, you're working for Liverpool TV, and, and obviously now the, the keynote speaking as well. How much are you enjoying that? And be honest, is that what you saw for yourself when you finished football? Or did you think maybe it was going to be coaching and management? I think the reality is when you become a professional football player, you don't ever want to look at the day you retire. You don't ever think it's going to end. Uh, and I think players are still guilty of that now. Um, I retired before I was my 30th birthday. It came too soon. Um, but, but again, with the keynote speaking, it's a case of how do you react? Are you somebody who, who, who feels sorry for yourself and dwells on what you can't do and lets things es escalate and get worse and worse? Or do you try and focus on what you can do and, and hopefully what is next for you? And that was what I did. I turned to the media side of it. It was obviously it's got huge since, since then. But back then it wasn't quite as big as sort of it is now a lot of players finishing and go, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go into coaching. And for me, didn't fancy it because I've seen too many good coaches lose jobs with a couple of defeats. And I'm thinking, just didn't seem fair that. And I didn't want to be in that position to do that. Um, I've done coaching since I finished, but grassroots football, school football, where it's not results driven. It's a case of enjoying it with the kids. And I've got a lot of uh, satisfaction from that. But the media side of it, I threw myself into a degree, really got involved and, and committed to it and uh, love it. I love talking about football. What I would say, though, Callum, is people, we all love football. We all have our teams. Football is about opinion. There's no right or wrong. We all have an opinion. And that is why I love football so much, because you'll have your opinion. You'll like a player. I'll like a player. But that's football.
Absolutely. And in, in, in terms of the, the punditry side of it, what's it been like covering Liverpool during this glorious period for the club? I imagine that's been really a, an absolute joy for, for someone like yourself. Yeah, really lucky. Um, it seems a bit strange that you're asking me that question. I can see a Man United player behind your head. So um, <laughs> I, want, I wanted to see a Liverpool player. But but yeah, um, do, do you know what? I'm fortunate because Liverpool have been really... Um, We've been superb over the last few seasons, challenging to win the Premier League, eventually winning the Premier League last season, albeit the fans weren't there, which seemed strange, surreal. Um, but, but this Liverpool, what Jürgen has turned them into has been brilliant to watch, really entertaining and unfortunate that I get to work. I analyse every Premier League game for Liverpool and it's great fun. I, I, and what it is, is you get to see different parts of the goal, who else has maybe contributed, why it may have happened, which is um, something I've enjoyed doing. Just before you go, Neil, a few um, quick-fire ones for you. Best players you played with? Easy. We've mentioned him already. Steven Gerrard. Um, brilliant. He, he could play in every position, Steven Gerrard, and he could still be man of the match. And I've seen him. Man of the match, left-back, right-back, obviously central midfield, and, and as an attacking midfield player. You, you've played against some, some top players. Who was the toughest opponent you came up against? I think the toughest. Um, I think in terms of world football, Nesta was one of the best. Um, played against him at, when, at Lazio once uh, at Anfield and then Melberg I'm going to pick Melberg the Swedish centre-half because it felt like I was playing against a brick wall he was so strong he was quick he was he just he was either he had an unbelievable day when he played against me every time or he was just um, for me he was a top defender Most underrated player you played with? Oh, most underrated um I think back to, to some of the, the players in that Liverpool team. Um, very highly thought of a lot, a lot of the players. Um, think about Steve Finnan as a right fullback. He was underrated. Think about Dietmar Haman. I mean, what, what a player Kaiser was. Kaiser was integral to what Liverpool were about and, and the system. He was brilliant. And he was underrated because the fans didn't know just how vital he was in that dressing room. He was one of the massive characters. Your Gerrard, your Carragher's. Kaiser linked everyone together, so um, Kai, he, he was he was immense. Other than the teams you played for, what's your favourite ground you've scored a goal at? Oh, do you know what? I'd love to say Old Trafford, but I can't, so I'm gutted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, a ground which I really enjoyed playing at was Loftus Road. It was proper football ground, proper stadium. The fans are on top of you, and. Um, that, that was a ground that I always, always enjoyed playing at. And when you scored, the away fans were right behind the goal. You could share that moment with them. So uh, Loftus Road, I know we've got loads of new grounds at the moment, but but it was just something authentic and real about playing at Loftus Road. Loved it. Last two for you. Um, we know you've played with Julier, Benitez, Irvin, some really well-known and established coaches. Was there a youth team coach in particular who's maybe an unsung hero as such who had a big impact in your career? Yeah, um, I was, you know, at the academy at Liverpool, we had Steve Highway who ran the academy, but without Dave Shannon and Hugh McCauley, who were the two youth team coaches, um, I'm not alone in saying that for the graduates, they had a huge influence on on us as players, but us as people as well. That was the most important thing to, to help us develop because we're at that age, 16, 17, 18, you've got all the distractions, all, that, all your mates from school going out and everything like that. And they really kept, kept us focused on what it was to develop and play for Liverpool Football Club. So Dave Shannon and Hugh McCauley had a huge influence on my career. 
Last question and staying on that theme, based on the career that you've had, the highs and lows when it comes to obviously injuries and those big moments we've talked about, what advice would you give to any young players listening? Oh, what advice would I give? Um, enjoy it. Enjoy it because um, you're out of the game a lot longer than you're in the game and, and c- commit yourself to the football club you play at. Understand what that football club um, is all about. It doesn't matter who you supported growing up. If you play for Liverpool, understand everything there is to know about representing Liverpool, what the, what the fans are all about, what the city is all about, and whatever club you play for. You commit and you connect with who you represent, and that will give you a better chance of succeeding. Brilliant, Neil. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll 